Welcome to the Axing Podcast. This is Joey Brandon, and I'm here this week with a special guest, Jamie Marco. Jamie, thank you so much for making time to come in. We actually get to be here face to face, like in our in our conference room studio, which is way better than Zoom. So thanks for coming in. Excited to talk to you today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It is fun to be here. This is a really full of fun experience. Well, we hope that uh, hope the listeners enjoy the next 45 minutes or so as we get into your world of expertise. But they kind of have to know what that is and who you are and, and, and why we brought you in here to share your, your wealth of knowledge and wisdom with us. So tell us, who is Jamie Marco? What does your world look like? And uh, what can we expect to learn today? Sure. Oh, we're inviting people into my world. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. Brace yourself, people. Hold on tight. So yeah, Jamie Marco, I am the owner of a company called Evolve Business Consulting. And every day I get the privilege and the honor to work with teams all over the world on three different pillars. So whether it be leadership, sales, or customer experience. And what I mean by that is that I could have a day where I'm coaching a bunch of leaders or I'm coaching a sales team or doing a keynote or going into a business and evaluating their customer experience and providing feedback, mystery shopping, which is so much fun, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, I get the privilege to do that. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I work with, like I said, teams all over the world and it's incredible. Sometimes it's on Zoom, sometimes in person. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but the goal really is to help people change their mindset with whatever they're working with. So if they're a leader to help see things a little bit differently, if they're dealing with customers to kind of look from the outside in and see ways to become even better experiences for their customers. And then when it comes to sales to not really just sell, but to really connect. So across those three pillars, it's really for me all about the power of connection. Well, we were joking earlier about the standard length of an episode. We shoot for 40 to 45 <laughs> minutes, but it's, it probably is going to be a challenge as I was sharing. Maybe there's three episodes packed in here, but it's yeah. as we're recording, it's a Friday afternoon. So we, we do want to sure. be respectful, but there's going to be a lot in here. Before we get into all that, though, okay, uh, I'm I, ha- I had someone tell me, Devin, who's a colleague of mine and, and someone you know as well, they told me that you're a 2023 nominee for Women Who Roar, which just knowing you <laughs> and hearing the title, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what is Women Who Roar? Tell us a little bit about that and how you came to be a nominee. I feel like I should be like, roar right now. <laughs> no, it's incredible. And I'm so incredibly honored. So it's a program through SRQ Magazine here in Sarasota that they do every year. And anyone can nominate a woman for the award. So the first step is to be nominated, which I was. I have no idea who nominated me. I don't even get to see what the nomination was. I just get notified that I was nominated. And then from there, you apply and they announce the winner next May. So um, putting the application in, they ask you some great questions about who you are, similar to what we'll be talking about probably today. I wonder if I can just send them the podcast. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. go. Podcast. Put this in your application. Right, there you go. <laughs> uh, and then you find out. But it's such an incredible honor because for me, I am a mom and everything I do is to leave a legacy for my child. She happens to be a girl as well, too. <laughs> and, you know, a woman who wore just when you look at what they're, who people who have won in the past, but even to look at the other women who I'm nominated with, it was just such an incredible honor. And what's funny about it is, you know me, and I'm not exactly a wallflower. Yeah, I was going to say wallflower. Yeah. Yes, you're not and exactly so wallflower. I'm not sure if you saw the picture uh, in the magazine, but when I went for my photo shoot, you know, I went and had my makeup done and I picked up my outfit and I got there and we're just feeling the energy. And at one point I just like, jumped in the air and the photographer snapped it. And he looked at me and said, this is the picture. 
And most of the pictures, people are just standing there and that's great. That's just not who I am. And so he's like, this picture just totally caught the essence of you. And I cannot even tell you how many funny emails and texts and phone calls I've gotten about that picture. So I'll have to show you. We will definitely grab it and put it in the show notes. (laughs) Everybody's going to want to see what we're talking about. Yeah, but that's just who I am. You know, I, I just am that person who... When I walk in a room, I want to leave the room brighter than it was before I got there. And that's just kind of my mission in life. You know, I I joke a little bit about the fact that, I don't even joke actually, but my personal mantra is humankind be both. And everything Mm. I teach, I'm just trying to help the world become a little bit of an even better place because we could use that. That's awesome. Yeah. So on that note, not everybody who wants to make the world a better place decides to go out and start a business. I personally think that's probably the best thing you can do Mm -hmm. if you want to influence the world. I mean, at Axiom, you're speaking our language. We believe business can change the world better than anything else out there when Mm -hmm. it's done well. What was it that caused you to to launch into this journey, which is not always an easy one, Mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur and to start your own consulting business? and put up with the ups and downs. How did it start? Yeah, so it's so funny. So I have done a couple different things in my career. I've done fundraising for nonprofits. I've done newspaper sales. I've done a couple different things. But the last job I had before I got into training and facilitating was as no, in new home sales. And I worked for Lennar Homes here locally. And I was chosen to go to a national conference in Las Vegas as one of the top salespeople from my division. And so this was back when they spent great amounts of money, all these huge conferences and incredible experiences. And I got to go to Vegas and I'm there. And this was on the cusp of the bubble back in 2008. So this is right before everything kind of burst. And we were there in Vegas and you're in this room and you could already feel at home that the energy of our sales team was changing a little bit. It wasn't people as excited anymore and things were just kind of changing a little bit. I went out to Las Vegas and I'm here at this conference and there's, I mean, the energy is incredible. So contagious. Then I went up to my sales trainer and I said, his name was Joe. I said, Joe, how do I bring this energy back to my division? Like, they need to feel this. You know, I'm a representative here. How do I go back and share this energy so everyone is re-immersed in this energy that they want to have and get so excited? And he said, well, you go back and you influence one person and then you hope that they influence somebody else. And it's this like chain events of, you know, like a domino. You impact one person, then the next person, the next person. So I remember, this was over 20 years ago, I remember getting on the red eye from Las Vegas heading home. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, that's on a small scale. I don't want to do that. I want to impact the masses. I don't want to just do one person and depend on them. And I went back and I immediately applied for a sales job. I got into that, started, I'm sorry, sales training job. I was a sales trainer for them for a bit of time. And then the bubble burst and we were laid off. And I said, well, I love what I'm doing. Why don't I just do it? for all companies, wherever I can go. And that's how my business started. And I started off working as a consultant for other consulting firms, partnering. So at one point, I think I was a contractor for about seven different firms, doing everything from keynoting to training across the board. And then about five years ago, no, actually, I'm sorry, like seven years ago now, seven years ago, Evolve started and I've been on my own since. What's What have been some of the going back, I'm curious, seven years ago, was there a trigger or an event or something that said, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to keep being a subcontractor. I don't want to keep working under somebody else's umbrella. 
it's going to be evolve. You know, yeah. what was the trigger? I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really was, you know, as a contractor, I was traveling. I was gotcha. one of those people that was putting 200,000 miles across the world every year. And I was married. I had gotten recently got married and I was having a child and I knew I didn't want to travel as much. So I focused really on my local market. We had just moved to Florida. Okay. And so it was great. Just timing was everything. There was a great opportunity. The market here needed it. And so it just evolved <laughs> from my life. And I knew that as a mom, I wanted to be able to have a schedule that I created so I could be home when I wanted to. I could go to those things at school when I needed to and be there for my child. And that's where it came from. So you shared something with me earlier about how your days are structured, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, it's very intentional that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested, always interested to hear what other entrepreneurs have done to put guardrails in place so that, cause it's easy when you start working for yourself, you, you'll work harder for yourself than you will ever work for somebody else. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's great because sure. you're passionate about the work, but it's, it can all, the people around you can pay a heavy price for that. Yeah. So what are some of the guardrails that you've put in place over the years to make sure that Evolve stays where you want it in the priority list and the people who need you most, you know, have access to you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I start my day off pretty much the same all the time. You know, I'm always starting my day off with my family and we're having breakfast or we're getting that day started. So that is where I find my fuel. And then my day my work day while my family's awake, I have to say that because I work sometimes at like <laughs> one, three in the morning for teams in Asia and Europe and all across the globe. But my work day typically ends at three o'clock and that's a hard thing for the most part. I do make exceptions here or there, but my work day ends at three o'clock and that's when I focus on family and where I'm making sure I'm there and present. And it is a really hard balance. I didn't have that at first. You know, when you're starting out a new business, you are working 24 seven and I feel like I sometimes work 24 seven anyway, because you're answering emails or clients are calling you, but having that idea of the structured day and knowing that my calendar is blocked after that, it forces me to say, listen, you have to have that balance. Otherwise you'll lose the most important thing to you, which to me is my family. And that's kind of where I put those guardrails there to make sure that I've got that quality time. And it's so funny because, you know, Like I mentioned to you, I work sometimes where I have a session with a client from 12 to 2 in the morning or from 4 to 6 in the morning because you're trying to reach teams across the globe. But then during the day, I might go and get a pedicure like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to get a pedicure and my friend's like, oh, I wish I had your life. (laughs) You have no idea. You know, it's uh, it's not, some people look, from looking from the outside in, they feel like, oh, it's so different. But, you know, you work really hard when you work for yourself and you're everything. You do every role, billing and marketing and accounting and the presenting and it's just sometimes yeah. exhausting. It reminds me of a, there's a book called Extreme Ownership by mm. Jocko Willink. He's a former Navy SEAL and he and his commanding officer or his, his lieutenant wrote this book on leadership lessons that they learned when they were in the military. And they've since become very successful corporate consultants. Mm. And one of their favorite phrases is discipline equals freedom. So mm. it's like that discipline to, you know, to do the 12 to 2 call that nobody wants to do gives you the freedom to do something at 11 in the morning, you know, 11 to one to get a pedicure or go to school and have lunch with your daughter that a lot of people are like, Oh, I wish I had the freedom. It's like, do you really want the freedom? Because, you know, I think you want the freedom, but you're not willing to instill the discipline to get it. It's so true. And it's just different when you work for yourself, but it also takes a lot of courage. And I recognize that so many people want to do it. It's really hard to walk away. And it was hard for me to think about doing everything on my own. 
And then if you don't do it, you're always going to wonder if, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes discipline. It takes courage. It takes support from friends and family. You know, my husband is incredibly supportive of the work that I do and my parents are, and it, it takes, it takes a ecosystem of support too. I've got mentors that help me, guided me through that. Mm. And it's so important just to surround yourself with good people and that discipline. You're right. It's, it's there because there are days where I don't really get a sick day. <laughs> you know, right. I, you don't, it's like they talk about in parenthood, you don't get a sick day. You know, I'm a lot of times facilitating and I won't, Hey, just try. I want to make sure everyone knows I will never show up if I'm sick. Okay. I would not <laughs> do that to people, but you know, I won't do that. But I train to not be sick. You know, I make sure that I'm not doing things that, and I don't know if I explain that, but I really take care of myself and the energy because my energy is impacting everyone else around me. So there's a lot of discipline, not just by having the work day, but making sure that you take care of yourself because you are your brand. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you've seen. So the seven years with Evolve, sure. and it's been a very, right in the middle of that seven years, we've you know had something that most people in business haven't ever seen before with mm-hmm. the pandemic and everybody having to adjust. Mm-hmm. And especially when that work involves working directly with other people, like sure. your day is not spent, you know, making sure a spreadsheet tabulates or getting a piece of copy written or working mm-hmm. on a technical piece of equipment. It's with another person. So how have you seen just kind of in broad terms, and then we can get into some specifics if you want. What's what's been the biggest thing that's pushed you to innovate in your practice and made you change the way th- things were maybe started seven years ago? And you look at it now, and you're like, this this had to get totally different to still be successful. Yeah, you know. So for the most part, before COVID, everything was in person, and I was traveling and going to places. But when I started Evolve, I stopped traveling, and I was here. And I had used. Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Meets. So I'm not, by the way, I'm not sponsored by any of them. So I just want to make sure I mention all of them. I think I may have forgotten somebody possibly. I'm sure I did. But anyway, I've used those systems in the past for trainings. But for me, I really felt like what I do and what I teach is best in person. And when COVID happened, it was scary. It was it was scary for so many people, for obviously for multiple reasons. But I really thought at that time, my job's going to be eliminated because people weren't open to really being online and doing different things. But what I have found is that while the time of COVID tremendously impacted the world in so many ways and in, in horrible ways that we can don't even need to talk about, it also created so many interesting opportunities for a higher level of connection for people in a greater opening the map up really for people to really connect across the the globe. And so now, you know, I've seen people learn technology that would have never learned it before. Mm. I've seen people give their team members the opportunity to work from home and have a different work-life balance. And they're more effective by doing that because they have the less stress of when can I do this? When can I do that? I've seen employers really start thinking about how they give benefits back to their teams in ways about working from home or about changing the way that work schedule is. So I've just have seen so many great things come from it as well too. And for me, I've been able to keep doing what I'm doing, having that connection that of, you know, with my family being done at three o'clock, but still now again, go back to working with people all over the globe. So there's been so many things that have come from it and it's just changed, you know, who I was. I was always comfortable with those platforms, but now I've had to become a lot more comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few different tricks up my sleeve and some things that I do. And I like to call myself an inter-trainer or, you know, rather like an entertainer. And so... 
if I had to explain that, I guess it's not a good joke. <laughs> um, but try to make it fun for people, right? Because I think people also have a little bit of a burnout for being on those devices now too. So there's yeah. so many different mixed pieces going into that. Given that you've worked, like you said, all over the globe, and you've had you've different you've seen different communities deal with these changes in different ways. Yeah. Is there anybody in particular, any any a community or group or or region that you feel like has kind of really put themselves in a different spot in terms of leveraging the opportunity created by the disruption or just, Hmm. or just maybe bigger adopters of technology or diving deeper into the connections that you're talking about? Yeah. You know, I don't know that there's one specific. I would say that what I've seen are companies that previously where I would say, let's do something virtual. They were like, absolutely not, never going to happen. Now have completely shifted their mindset and are doing so many things differently. But I don't think there's like one region that's doing it. You know, we're really blessed to be in the United States and have incredible access <laughs> to internet. Yeah. And when we're doing trainings across the globe, there are some organ- some companies and some, well, not just companies, but some nations who don't have that. And I think we forget that, but I don't think there's anyone, any one specific region that's changed so much. I just think that people have really shifted the way they do business and it's for the better. They're saving money in different areas and able to spend more money on their team members because no one's traveling. Or I mean, they're starting to travel more now, but they've started to see how they can be more impactful with not having to be so invasive into people's lives with having to go places and they can really just connect differently. Well, let's get into kind of the specifics. I love the three pillars, the, the leadership, mm-hmm. the sales, the customer service. Sure. So if we can, I kind of like to tackle them one at a time. Go for it. And just talk shop for a little bit. Okay. This is our world. But- with respect to leadership, where do you see people growing the most in their leadership? And whether it's like a paradigm shift that you help them see or a blind spot you help them point out or a skill set you help them develop, what seems to be the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak, when it comes to enhancing somebody's leadership? Sure. So a lot of times what we see is someone's been put into a leadership role because they were a top performer, mm. yet they have absolutely no idea how to lead people. And so what I teach is a lot of the soft skills about better understanding who people are and why they act the way that they do. But for me, it's all about that mindset shift is that you're not, I'm not just teaching you leadership lessons to where you come in and turn the switch on at work. I'm like, I'm going to apply what Jamie taught me. (laughs) You know, really I'm trying to change the way people communicate as a whole. And some of the feedback that I get from the team members is like, I never thought of it that way. I never see things like that. Or never, no one ever put it in that perspective for me. The other day we had a class and we were talking about every time we come back, if I, I do a series and on the second seri- second class they came back, I always ask, what did you do differently from our last session together? And one of the people in class said, I had this incredible aha moment. I had a team member who came up to me and was complaining about something. And typically in the past, I want to just react right away. But what I did is I did what you taught me and I applied that tactic to it. And I had a completely different conversation that ended up so much better than I could have ever imagined. Mm. And that was just, you know, and as we talked through what she did and what she did differently, and I want to give away all my secret sauce on this (laughs) college, I'll tell you after the podcast, but it was just incredible for people just to see things differently. You know, one of the tools I use all the time is, you know, the FedEx logo, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the hidden object in the FedEx logo. Is it an arrow? Yes. There's also two hidden objects. 
I don't know what the second one is. Oh, well, I'll have to show you afterwards. Okay. But you know, when people see, a lot of people never even see the arrow. And for those that are listening, there's an arrow between the E and the X. It's a white arrow. And once you see it, you can never unsee it, right? You're like, oh my gosh. And so I learned a long time ago from a colleague, Chad Carden, I'll give him the shout out. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. And with leadership, that's what it's about. Like you don't have to always be the person that knows all the answers. You don't have to be the always person that's in charge or telling people what to do but you have to continuously improve the performance of your team. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? And that's really what I focus on with leadership. That's great. One of the things that when we were talking to teams about leadership, we actually asked them to, we asked the owners that are going to be setting the leadership table, like who's going to be on the leadership team mm-hmm. to help us execute whatever plan we're building. We say, guard the door carefully and make sure that the people who are sitting at the table all agree on, on a few what we call leadership affirmations. One of the, I think there's seven of them, but one of those affirmations is, I agree that my success will be judged on the success of the people that I'm leading. Mm. And like you said, a lot of the people who are promoted, quote unquote, promoted into leadership were promoted because they're great performers. Right. And it's hard for them to wrap their head around the idea that my success from here out doesn't depend on how I perform. Like mm-hmm. I can't go in and close deals for that salesperson. I have to train the salesperson on how to be a better closer. Right. right. And that's, it's something that I've, I had a few kind of like epiphany moments over, over the course of trying to become a better leader. And one was sitting with one of my colleagues and he's describing a situation that's happening with a client. And I started to get really excited because I've seen that exact situation. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine in my head, the workshop that I'm going to go in and lead for this client that is going to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. And then this incredible anxiety and calm at the same time came over me where I was like, that's not your job anymore. Mm-hmm. Your job is to get him so he can go in and mm-hmm. solve it. And he might even solve it different than you solved it, but mm-hmm. get him to the point where he can solve it. Yeah. So that's that idea of your, it's not your performance, it's their performance that matters. Yeah. And if your work's like ours, like one of the things we tell people is like, we're not rocket scientists. We You're are, not. <laughs> hey, I am understanding people. I mean, could, it could be a balance there of how difficult that is. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> we, you know, it, it involves a skill set, but a lot of the, the ability to see those things comes from the fact that we're not in the frame. Yeah. Right? They're in the picture and it's really hard to see the picture when you're in it. But mm-hmm. when you stand outside the picture, outside the frame, I can see things that maybe you can't. And mm-hmm. if you'll, so that, that brings me to a second question. Sure. Talk a little bit about coachability, right? So you're, you're working on somebody to try to develop skill sets and potentially even change behavior. Yeah. Is there a way to increase somebody's coachability? Like to what extent is that a skill that can be developed? And to what extent is it just, well, you come at life from a posture of humility and I want to be coachable or, and I have it or I don't. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I think you actually kind of answered it in what you were just talking about is that for me... When I'm coaching somebody, I am not telling them what to do. I really believe that when it's, you know, do you know Larry Face? Yeah. So Larry's thing is whose idea is the best idea? And everybody always thinks their idea is the best idea, right? That's just who they are. And so Larry, thanks for that. It's stuck. But, you know, one of the things is that when you know that, if you can help somebody guide them to that idea and by asking really great questions. So for me, most people, I believe, you know, whether they're coachable or not, you know, that's a mixed bag. There are some people, you know, who just, they want, 
if you're giving somebody advice, a lot of times they didn't ask for the advice, right? right? right. So for me about coachability, it's more about asking somebody, hey, what is it that you want to change? And then I just ask questions and let them guide themselves there because ultimately their idea is going to be the best idea. But asking those questions to get them there helps me help them be coachable, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. You know, I think it's, I'm not that type of coach that's going to come in. If you want me to tell you what to do, I'm not going to do it. If you want my advice, I'm not going to really do that directly. I'm going to help you figure it out because we all, you know, a lot of times we know the answer and we just haven't gotten there yet. We haven't really started to critically think. I had this whole conversation with someone in my class last week about how they felt that today's generation doesn't critically think. And we had this whole conversation about generations. And I said, well, I don't think it's really a generational thing. I think today's society doesn't have to critically think because we have the answers at our fingertips for anything we have to do. Mm. You know, growing up, we had to go find that. Like I had to go to a library or I had to go to an encyclopedia and like figure things out. Resourcefulness used to be a skill. And now it's a commodity. A hundred percent. And so I challenge people, start asking more questions and by asking more questions, you're you're forcing somebody to have to critically think about what their answers are going to be. And that's where I find that coachability piece come in is that to really be coached or to really coach someone, you're helping them identify their truth. Mm. Pretty deep. deep There's, yeah. Jamie <laughs> Marco. That, that, kinda, that stopped me in my tracks. I had a question Ooh, I was going to ask. I made Joey speechless. <laughs> uh, well, wait, if you've got a business leader who's a, or owner or department head or division director who comes to you and says, Jamie, I really need you to work with our team. Mm -hmm. I need them to become better leaders. Are there situations where after working with an individual or with a team where you you come to a point where you're like, this person's kind of capped out in terms of their leadership capacity and what this situation requires? Or do you feel Mm -hmm. like in all situations, I can work with people to kind of get them over the hump and, and get that that, that manager or that boss, you know, satisfied with their progress? Yeah. So one of the things to the question, you know, if they come and they say, I need them to be an even better leader. So for me, a lot of the way I help do that is the details are in the discovery. And so I would have a question with a leader and say, well, what does that mean to you? Like, what exactly, what behaviors are you looking for this person to do differently that would make you feel like they're an even better leader? And then I would speak to the individual and, and ask them questions, you know, what are some things that you want to be even better at to match those up? And for me, I believe that we can all improve our abilities every single day, you know, and if not, then I'm coaching a humility course tomorrow at two o'clock and <laughs> right. come and join me. But so I don't think that you ever cap out, like even for myself, I, you know, there's some, there's goals that I have for me and I, I feel like I can always keep going. So it really just depends on the individual. I don't really feel like there's a cap on things because we can all fine tune and nobody's including me. Perfect. (laughs) Right. right? So we, it's just, we're always a work in progress, always trying to improve things or make them even better if we're committed to that. So I think there are some people that you can really help out, but then sometimes there's people you have to help out too, you know, depending on where they're at and maybe it's just not the right fit if they get to that point and and that could be there. It's always, you know, trying to figure out like, what is it that this person wants? Right. Right. So, I mean, a lot of times I think with the people who you know, humility might might be. I love humility. You know, humble people are way more fun to work with, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're much better clients than the opposite. Yeah. But it's. I think it can also be somebody who's also incredibly ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. And they they are ambitious, and they're like, 
I know to get what I want, I'm going to have to become better in this area, this area, this, and one of those sure. is leadership. One of those is listening to people. And one of those, and those people- What'd you say? <laughs> good <kidding>. one. Uh, <laughs> those people too also tend to be like, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better yeah. brother. But there are cases where you're like, that person's not ambitious. Like the person doesn't seem ambitious. They seem very contented or they, or we say like one of the things that we, another one of the things that we ask leaders to affirm is that mm-hmm. I'm not okay with the status quo. Like yeah. I'm not going to make the argument that we're doing this now because that's the way we've always done things. And this is sure. the way they're always going to be. So when you're talking to those people, it's like trying to figure out, well, okay, I know that you're, you're standing your ground for some reason. Mm-hmm. What is it that you want? What are you looking for? Because if I can connect that, mm-hmm. and I'm not very good at it, by the way. So this is where, <laughs> Whatever. This is where we start. <laughs> You're such a liar. <laughs> throwing referrals to Jamie saying, well, you need to get Jamie liar. in here. Um, but I mean, how, do you find that there are ways you found to be effective to kind of to discover what it is that, that would motivate that person to, to soften up and seek your yeah. help? I mean, I guess they say where there's a will, there's a way, right? right? No, but I think it's about, you know, what is that internal inspiration going to be for them? Like what they have to want something different. And I always say, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So if you're okay with the status quo right now, then that's one thing. And sometimes, you know, I've had to say, okay, I don't think that we're the best fit because for me, you know, as, and that's one of the things as owning your own business is really hard is to say no, I think, you know, it's like where you don't want to take on a client because like, maybe we're not the best fit or I refer to a different coach or a different, you know, facilitator, a different speaker. But I think that you have to really ask the questions, the, the difficult questions of somebody. And, you know, honestly, like I do classes. So we'll have an organization who they send people to these leadership classes or the customer experience classes. And sometimes I ask the question in the beginning, how many of you asked to be here and how many of you were told to be here? You know, because it's, it's true. A big deal, yeah. It is. And then I know, you know, who I'm working with. But my thing is that I always feel like if they come in there and they've raised their hands, they've been told to be here, I need to find out how they're going to value the time that they're with me and make an impact there. And honestly, I've never, ever met anyone who did not at least take away something from our sessions where they came back and said, you know what? It was on session seven, right? Or maybe session one where they're like, yes, now I get it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that there is, you know, I think everybody, they may start off as a harder shell, but I'm going to seat my way in there. I'm going to get in. I'm going to crack back that shell. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to figure it out somehow. I'm going to ask some question where I'm going to get inside. Yeah. You know, it's it, that's just like my goal in class. If I see someone that I'm like, I'm not getting there. I'm not getting there. How can I get there? Well, there's something, to, there's not something. There's everything to be said for the way you show up. And I mean you personally. So I think that probably is, was one of the things that those people have to have. Like, if the person, if the person that I'm supposed to be learning from, because my boss sent me here and he forced mm-hmm. me to be here, is not interested in me, yeah. like sincerely interested in changing me, helping me get better, then that's a non-starter. Like you're never going to get yeah. there, right? So at least you're you're giving them the opportunity by the way you show up to engage with you, which is mm-hmm. not always the case. So. It's infectious. It well, really thank is. thank you. So I, I aim to be infectious in the good way. <laughs> you know, I always talk about like, you know, those people when they walk in the room and they brighten up the room mm-hmm. or the people when they leave the room and the room brightens up, like, which one are you? Right. <laughs> you know, you're the same way, you know, like it's, and that's why I think we jive so well together, but it's, it's, 
where you come from. Like, what are you really trying to do? And I really, for me, it's about, I just want to help people. I yeah. just want people to find happiness and joy in something and to really start seeing things differently. Because I feel like if we can improve the connection of people across the globe, then the globe will be even better. And I think more than ever, we need that right now. You know, I always ask this question. I've been asking it for the past couple of years. How many of you feel like the world is really on the weirdest place right now with like the weirdest energy mm-hmm. that a lot of time we we feel fine, freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the majority of people raise their hands. And that yeah. to me is not the best place to be. So if I can inspire or motivate somebody just to do something differently and get a little bit more out of life, then, then I'm achieving the goal. So how do you do that with salespeople? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to switch topics. We're going to yeah, get to that, that favorite. second pillar of sales. <laughs> sure. And I love salespeople mm-hmm. and, uh, and that sometimes I don't love them so much. You know, mm-hmm. they're, it's funny, like we, in the companies we work in, there oftentimes we have the battle that comes up between sales and production. So the people who sell the thing and the people who have to deliver the thing. And so it's always interesting hearing the two perspectives, right? Because they see the world from different angles Mm -hmm. and you get to work with these folks to make them more effective in their sales world. So tell me a little bit about that. And obviously coming through, you know, like the sales training, like you're influenced by by sales training and then you Mm -hmm. went into that as a profession and now you're doing that as a consulting firm. Mm -hmm. What is it about sales that that turns your crank? Like what is it about that? And what is it about the people who are involved in sales that, resonates with you. So it's funny. My husband and I had this great conversation. We, by the way, we're big pickleball players. Do you play pickleball? No, but I, I could get hooked in a, in a hurry. We've got this stuff and we've been on a court a few times, but I just haven't jumped in yet. All right. So. Total another conversation, but we'll have to talk about it. But we were leaving pickleball one day and we had met a gentleman there who was talking about how he's in sales. And he was just telling us all about himself and going on and on and on. And he was like, I'm the top sale. And he just kept talking. And we're just listening to him and we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got in the car and I said, wow, interesting that he's in sales. And my husband started giggling and he's like, oh, I know what you're going to say. I'm like, what am I going to say? He's like, he knows nothing about us, but we know everything about him. I'm like, exactly. And then he reminded me of a time where he was interviewing somebody and they said, you know, why do you want to be in sales? And she said, because I love to talk. And it's so funny because like sales is my favorite thing to come into because this actual interview is awkward for me because I'm used to the the one asking questions. questions, And so it's interesting. And why I love working with sales teams is because they're the greatest opportunity to make that shift and say, wait a second, if you're talking, you're not doing the selling. Wow. Yeah. And just going, taking those steps back and asking questions and learning really a sales process that helps your customers say, they really care about me. They really know about me and they understand me. You know, Dale Carnegie said, or yeah, I think Dale Carnegie, more important to be curious than, no, interesting than interested. All these things are out of my head. And it's so true. It's like, are you the one that's talking all about you? Or are you the one that is asking questions and learning to find out if there's a connection there? Mm-hmm. So sales is like, Oh man, anyone that's in sales, call me. I'll give you a free 30 minute coaching <laughs> session. And if you don't see your sales go up by 15%, like immediately, I'll give you your money back there in your you free session. That's the Axiom Podcast coupon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, how do you teach somebody to ask the questions? Because I got to think that, you know, you're not just giving them a script and be like, okay, go down these list of questions. 
How do you teach the skill set of asking better questions? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I'm not and I'm not training in Stepford people. <laughs> Have this script, and that's the one thing is that I don't do scripts. So, I teach frameworks, and we also we perfectly practice. And for me, well, I like that. perfectly practice. Yeah, because practice doesn't make perfect. And I tell a whole story about that in my sessions. It doesn't because if you're not perfectly practicing, then you're just practicing bad behaviors, mm. and. So, you know, when we perfectly practice and we talk about what are you really trying to go for? What are you selling, first of all? What do you know about your product? But that's just one part of it. What do you know about the person who's trying to buy your product? You know, and like what's important to them? I know it's so funny when, and I am not putting anyone in a box here, but every time I've gone to buy a new car or even a car, not new car, but anytime I've gone to buy a car, it's like they start telling me all this stuff, but they have no idea like, why am I there? Like, do I have a car now? Why They've never asked me any questions. And the one fundamental thing people typically don't ask, which is the most important part of the sales process, do you know what it is? What is your name? I mean, it is like, I can't even tell you. It's like, how do you not ask somebody their name? And then how do you not use their name? Yeah. And so there's just little things that we go through. We perfectly practice and we talk about really what's the end goal? How well do you know your product? How well do you know the customer that's going to buy it? And how do you match the needs with the benefits of both? So- that's what we teach. And you make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's funny. We, my wife and I went to, for our anniversary trip this year, we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, we went to see the International Balloon Festival. I was going to ask Hot Air Balloons. Okay. It, was, it was awesome. But we're staying in this hotel downtown and there was this hat store. It's like, mm. a, um, it's been in business for 80 years, 70 or 80 years. Wow. So I was like, let's go to the hat store. I like hats. So we go to the hat store and we wind up spending the better part of 45 minutes with Bill. And mm. Bill is the guy who's, you know, he doesn't own mm -hmm. the store. The guy who owned the store is the son of the guy who founded the store. Uh, oh, but wow. So we, we met both of them there. And so, but every one of his questions, well, so like the most important, like what hat size are you? That's kind of important, right? right. So you figure that out. And then he's just like, so what do you, what do you want to wear it to? And how do you want to mm. wear it? And what else do you wear with it? And all of these questions, and then my wife went through the same process and mm. it was an incredibly fun time. Now we knew when we walked in the door, we were going to buy a hat. Okay. So that, no matter what, like you were buying a hat. Well, not necessarily. Like okay. that, that's what we wanted to do. Okay. Okay. I'll say it that way. We wanted to sure. buy a hat. But the process was so much fun. Mm. And I thought about it when we walked out because these were not cheap. Right? Mm -hmm. We spent quite a bit of money. And I was like, I just had the best time spending that much money in 45 minutes that I may have ever had. And it was just because he treated us like he knew us. Right. right? He just, and he was laughing with us and carrying yeah. on. And so it's funny, like, I wonder how many other, I'm thinking through our client base, right? And whether mm. it's, you know, buying a piece of equipment or it's buying a roof, or it's buying a new air conditioner. Like people generally go into those transactions, like I want to buy an air conditioner from you, right? Yes. Otherwise I wouldn't have called you. I well, they need time. it, right? They right. need it, like if they're coming there. I want, <laughs> yeah. I want this sale to happen. Right? right. And I wonder how many times business salespeople shoot themselves in the foot and change that desire from, I want to buy a an air conditioner from you to now I don't want to buy an air conditioner from you. Well, it's so I call those captive customers, right? So are you holding them captive or are you captivating them? Oh, I like that. And I'm actually doing a talk about that. Uh, it actually just got moved, but in February, so I'll let you know about that. But right. that's the whole thing about, you know, I call myself a special agent of engagement. And what that, what Bill did in that store for you is that he engaged you in the process. And it doesn't matter if you're buying a tire to toilet paper to a hat, 
once that person just engages you in the process, it makes the biggest difference. And are you holding your customers captive because they need an air conditioning unit? Or are you captivating them and letting them know that you are the best air conditioning unit and this is why for them? You know, I had this conversation with my sister yesterday. We were talking about asking questions. And I said, you know, there's so many ask holes out there. <laughs> there are just so many ask holes where I'm like, they think that they're doing a great job and they're just asking questions, but then they do nothing with the information. And it's like, really? Like, why? Like, don't just be an asshole, but ask questions that have meaning behind it. She's like, you need to coin that. I'm like, well, I did see it like on Instagram. or something like that, so I did steal it. But it's true, you know, just engaging people in the process. But again, it goes back to Bill loves what he does probably. Yeah. You know, and it's not that you have to always love what you do, but you have to believe in what you do and that it's helping somebody in some way. It was, what's interesting too about that, uh, because I consult with businesses, like I probably analyze the business situations I'm in as a customer way too much, mm -hmm. right? But I, so I thought about that whole experience. And one of the things I thought about was a lot of people would say, well, that's fine for Bill right? He had you and Josie and you were his only two customers. I got four other stops that I have to make to issue proposals today. I don't have time to have, a, but mm -hmm. that's not true because there was another couple that came in mm -hmm. um, and they were kind of waiting their turn. But what was interesting is Bill started to engage all of us in conversation and then made sure the four of us were talking while Bill went in the back and took mm -hmm. care of finishing our order and then came and it, he was masterful at it. But it, he, okay. I think one of the biggest things like the ask hole thing, which I absolutely love. <laughs> you can give me credit the first time and then you can own it if you want. I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, then I want a copy of that. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you royalties. Um, do, do you, is, is, can you eliminate the hurry from the question? Right. Can I, can I just, can I ask the question and there's no hurry behind it to get to the mm -hmm. next question to figure out what piece of this form I have to complete for you or whatever. And, you know, I, I'll, I will say that business owners have been having a more difficult time with that of late, you know, say mm -hmm. the last few years than ever. In spite of a pandemic, many of our businesses continued to set record after record after record mm -hmm. and do it with fewer and fewer people because they just could not get, they could not hire the labor that they yeah. needed. So I hear them, but at the same time, I'm like, but come on guys, like there's gotta be a way that we can make that connection and care for the customer before mm -hmm. they become a customer, care for the customer who's already a customer yeah. and, and not be an asshole. Right. Well, I was like, say, if you're going in the wrong direction, speeding up doesn't help. Right. Well, I like that. So, you know, thinking about the way that we connect, you, you said mentioned customer service, but I call it customer experience because anyone can deliver customer service. Anyone can do that. You know, you can go into a restaurant and they can say, Hey, how many you say four, they seat you, the server comes over and they say, you know, what are you having? They go to get it. They bring you a drink. Then at the end, anything for dessert? No, here's your check. That's customer service. You've been served, right? So you've been served throughout the entire process. But if they want to create an incredible customer experience, when you walk in, the question is, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming in this evening. You know, how many are partying in your party? Do you have a table preference? Mm -hmm. Have you been here before? And they walk you to a table and they say, listen, we aim to strive for the best experience possible. If we are missing that mark at any time, my name's Jamie, please come and find me. Mm -hmm. Then you sit down and the server walks over and they say, hi, welcome. We're happy to have you here. Any food allergies, any food restrictions I should know about before I talk to you about the menu? 
right? And so we we get more engaged in the process, either it's customer experience or sales, and we get people engaged. Then we start to ask even better questions. And when you ask even better questions, you get even better answers and then you can connect. You know, Bill, if you're listening in that hat store, you've got a job with me. You know, um, <laughs> but you know, years ago, the fish philosophy for the Seattle fish yeah. market, that's all about like having fun with your your customers and with your clients. And if people can start thinking about getting back to that, but their customers, their internal team member, right? Like how do you get them to start having fun again? And how do we start thinking about if we don't have the quantity of staff that we need, then the staff that we do have needs to be quality. And how do we treat them in a way and take care of them in a way where they feel valued, they feel appreciated, they feel that they want to be part of our organization, but we miss that mark. And we just say, do do more work because you're the ones that are here versus, hey, how can we reward those people that are here and get them the skills that they need? So it impacts everything that we're doing. We have a big saying with Axiom clients, customers come second. Mm. Right. If you're not taking care of your team members first, nothing else yeah. you do is going to matter. Like, you, like I know I love the distinction you made between customer service and customer experience. It's very easy to serve. Like you said, service. Yeah. Did you get your meal? Yes. Yep. Right. Did you, yeah. did you uh, get your hat? Yes. Right. But yeah. did you have a great experience? And I love too, what you said about the name thing. And I, I was mm. thinking about that the other day. It's so common. Like we take it for granted in restaurants Mm-hmm. And I personally do a terrible job of taking it for granted to such an extent that I know that they told me and I, I even remember hearing it, but I can't remember what it was, right? And so the mm-hmm. next time they come to the table when I want to ask for something, I want to mm-hmm. ask for it, you know, for using their yeah. name, but I forget. But there are so many other retail situations in particular where that just never happens. You walk into a store, you're going mm-hmm. to spend, you know, whatever amount of money, whatever amount of time. And there's zero. Yeah. Here's who I am. Well, there's no training. And we've actually trained our customers to not want to engage, you know, so. Oh, well, like check out, self-checkout lines. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like we have some businesses, I'll do one that's not open anymore because I can go with that because some companies still do it, but like Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know what Blockbuster (laughs) is, um, Google it. (laughs) But so you'd walk in a Blockbuster and you'd hear a welcome to Blockbuster. And you'd be like, where is that person? (laughs) You didn't know where, right. You didn't know where they were and their intention was there, right? We want to welcome every guest in, but the execution sucked, you know, and there's some places now that still do that because they have this intention, but the execution is not there. And so, you know, I talked about this in my class yesterday. I said, we don't see people anymore. You don't see people, mm-hmm. you know, like you go, if it's self-checkout, there's someone there still, but say hello, you know, what can I'm here to help you? And we don't see those people. We don't, we just don't see people anymore. They, someone comes in, Hey, how can I help you? No, I'm just looking. Let's ask even better questions, you know? And so what I teach in my customer experience classes is that to help people see people more. And I give really specific ways for organizations to start getting back to that and that humankind piece, you know, humankind be both and let's retrain our customers to engage. And so that is the goal there because that power of human connection is just incredible. So uh, can you reach into your bag of tricks or tactics, mm, you know, and, and my Mary Poppins bag. I, I know you <laughs> you like frameworks, which, you, you know, yeah. I, but I think if everybody had the intent to care for the person in front of them because they genuinely sure. cared about people. And we've all met people. They're like, that person is just an unbelievable human being. Yeah, like, they just yeah. care for people. Um, but not everybody has the background that person had, the mentorship, the training, the sure. life's experience, the, the 
maybe the wherewithal, you know, where gratitude kind of just springs naturally. And, and for them, it's a struggle to mm-hmm. see people. How is there an element of, Hey, I can, I can, if I can get you to do this, there's going to be a switch that eventually flips. It's not formulaic, yeah. but there's a way to build this habit that will eventually get into your heart and, and this will become more natural for something. And, and some people are just, you know, like introverts and, you know, yeah. but they're, they find themselves maybe not the best fit for the job, but they're at the front counter and it's their job to make that connection. Sure. Anything that you, you could counsel them to say, here's, here's a place to start. Yeah. So I would, there's one thing that's going to probably be controversial. Are you ready Perfect. for it? Yeah. <laughs> Is this like an R-rated <laughs> podcast? No, I'm kidding. It's not that way. So I'm no fool. This is going to be online somewhere forever for the rest of my life. One day my daughter will be like, mommy, you said what? We can edit this part. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so I am going to ask people to stop asking a certain question because when we ask it, we don't care about the answer and everybody asks it. And I'm going to challenge. So what I challenge people in my classes to do is stop asking that question and either make a statement or just look up and smile. Right. But the question is, hi, how are you today? And everybody asks that question and it is a nonsense question because how many times have you answered good, great, but you weren't Mm -hmm. and you lied. Mm -hmm. And so my challenge is that when we stop asking that question and we just look up and make eye contact with somebody and say, good morning, welcome, mm. or good morning, make it a great day today, or good afternoon, good to see you. And we stop asking, how are you? And we start making the conversation more impactful. Like, or we even say something like this, hey, hey, Joey, good morning. What's one thing you're looking forward to today? Mm-hmm. Right? Just that in itself teaches people to have different conversations because so often, oh, I'm good. Oh, how are you? I'm good. And you go about your way, but you're not good. You're lying. You're not good. Yeah. Like I've had some days. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Or like I said before, I'm fine. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, (laughs) you know, and so many people are. So people answer and people lie all the time and let's stop lying to each other and let's start making conversations more impactful. But I would also tell you that I am one of the people who... I would love to get rid of cell phones as mine's like buzzing over there right now. Um, I would go back to, you know, traditional answering machines because I feel like how often are you having a conversation with somebody or looking around a restaurant, family sitting at a table and, and I'm sorry if I'm offending you right now, but I'm sorry. You are, your actions are a direct result of the, or a direct impact of the results that you get. Mm-hmm. Right. So if your kids don't engage with you, what do you, how do you engage with them? Mm-hmm. If your spouse doesn't engage with you, how do you engage with them? And those devices. So I always say, put them down. When someone comes into you, I encourage people to have a big stop sign to really stop doing everything else and just listen to somebody. Mm-hmm. Cause how often does that really happen anymore? Yeah. You know? And so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's like my number one thing I teach people is that let's stop asking, how are you? Cause it doesn't matter if introvert, extrovert, whatever it is. We don't care about the answer because we just come back and say, good, how are you? How are you? Good. Okay, great. Let's go about our way, you know, (laughs) and just be more intentional, intentional about the questions that you ask of somebody. And I think we'll start to see a difference there. Yeah. We, we don't, we never like to call out the blockbusters, you know, like we don't want to do that, but it's fun to call it the ones who get it right. So I'm going to call out a local business here who gets it right. Ooh, I can't wait to hear. Around the corner from, we live in Lakewood Ranch and there's a pinch a penny pool store near the corner of 64. State Route 64 and Lakewood yes. Ranch Boulevard. And it's interesting what you were saying. Now, they don't ask, they, they, they may ask, how are you doing? But there's something else that they do 
um, every time I walk in that store, there's, they do something for, they, they usually take something from me. So oh. when I walk in that store, oh, do I, we need to call the police? <laughs> <laughs> I usually have, you know, like the little water sample bottle with my pool water in sure. it, and they're going to test it. Or I've got a chlorine jug that needs to be refilled. Okay. And I can't get four or five steps into the store without somebody coming to me and saying, mm. Hey, let me take that for you. Or That's I'll great. get that for you. And let me take your water. And there's this immediate engagement as we come in that's meaningful to me because mm-hmm. it's not a, how are you doing, you know, yeah. and, and there's another store I will call, I mean, let's just call Go it. Go for it. So there's another store, it's Crowder Brothers Hardware in Liquid Ranch. Yeah, I spend a lot of money there. And yeah, <laughs> there every Saturday and Sunday. It's another area where I think that from time to time, the intent can get lost in the execution because there's mm-hmm. always somebody who greets you when you come into the store and when it's done well, when the intent is met, I feel like that person is there to help me find what I need. Sure. But there are other times when it feels scripted and I feel like that person mm. is there to get me in and out of the store as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's, I know what the intent is, yeah. right? But it, but there are, there are times when I walk out of there feeling like, oh, yeah. even though I know that that wasn't the intention. So I, you know, for the business owners who are listening, it's like, we know where your heart's at. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're not, if you're not putting the, the rubber to the road in terms of execution, like you're not, people aren't always going to know your heart. Like you, you're, yeah. I have a long history of experience with both of those businesses. So they're going to have a few bad days and sure. you know, I'm always going to come back, but or come back to a point. But because you're captive, because it, it, it pretty much mm-hmm. right. When it's also, it's like, what does that team member get? And I hate to say, like, there's got to be a carrot for them to do something good. But how are you rewarding excellence? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I'm always talking about catching people doing more things right rather than less things wrong. So, in some of these organizations, are you doing that? Like, how are you rewarding excellence? How are you empowering your team to catch each other doing things excellent? And you know, these customer experiences, it's such a, it takes like 1% difference to change the way you do something to make a really big impact. There's a restaurant locally, it's a national chain and I'm not sponsored by them. So if they want to sponsor me, then I'll start (laughs) to mention their name. But one of the things that you do when you get there, if you're celebrating something and you book your reservation, you come in, they give you a card and it says to the person, you know, happy birthday, happy anniversary. But they also, when they seat you, they put confetti on the table that says happy birthday or happy anniversary. And what's really cool about that is that it makes you feel special, first of all, but that's not the only reason they're doing it. Anyone that works there, every time they walk by your table, they know you're celebrating something and they all stop and genuinely say, oh, whose birthday is it? Happy birthday or whose anniversary? And how much could, I mean, you get on Oriental Trading, they're also not a sponsor, I know, (laughs) Uh, but like how much can you buy confetti for? And then that little tiny micro move that makes the biggest difference. And you said you frequent those stores very often. You know, how often do they say welcome back mm-hmm. if they recognize you? Well, and this is, I mean, there. if you go looking, and I, I would imagine that this is part of the huge value add that you provide in secret shopping because mm-hmm. you see, you go looking and you see with a fresh pair of eyes. A lot of times yeah. the owners don't see the weeds in the parking lot because they just got used to them. Mm-hmm. But if you go looking for these opportunities, they're literally everywhere. When oh, my gosh. daughter was in preschool, Every morning I would drop her off at the preschool and there was a security badge that I had to scan to get in the building. And one of the things that would happen is every morning when I would scan that security badge, my picture would pop up on a monitor at the front desk Mm. of me and it had my name underneath it. 
so that they would know I was supposed to be there. Sure. And every morning, the person sitting behind the desk would look up, match my face with the picture, and go back to what they were doing. Oh my gosh, that like kills me. I'm cringing <laughs> so, right now. Right, for, for, for three years, uh, I never knew the name of the person sitting at the front desk uh, because they never asked my name and it mm-hmm. put such a sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get to know that person. Mm-hmm. That's bad on me. But that just goes to show show me personally, like how important is it for me to go out of my way to make that connection? Because if I yeah. don't, that person may not may may intuit that I don't want to know them. And I mm-hmm. know that the person behind the desk just had a ton of stuff that she's probably responsible for in the morning. So if that business owner, you know, is listening, like, hey, free her morning up yeah. so that she can start delivering customer experience from 7 to 8.30 every morning. Yeah, That's the I mean, most like, important part. How much time does it take just to look up and say, good morning, <laughs> you know? I mean, but again, maybe it's that they felt like they have to engage more like, hi, how are you, this and that. But even just a simple good morning would make you feel well right. and use your name. You know, Mr. we were- Brandon. Yeah, nice to see you. exactly. Right. Just something so easy, but it's so easy that it's hard. You know, I launched a couple of years ago. So the first week in October is National Customer Service Week every year. So I think it was like five years ago, I did a program where I enlisted some ambassadors in the community and I said, I'd like you to go out and find a star, someone to award and recognize, it's a star acronym, for exceptional customer experience. Like they just come in and they do that. And I had bought like 50 bracelets and I said, let's do it over the week and go and find out how many people you can find. Let's let's do it. And then if you find them, we'll give them this card, we'll recognize them. And it was really hard. <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, I know it was really hard, but we did find some, which was good. But it's just because I think that, you know, Again, we have to see people. Yeah. You have to see people. And everybody's a customer. Everybody's a person. And we go and my daughter will say to me from a very young age, I'll use ages in public. And I'd say, oh, hi, thanks, you know, thanks, Marge, or thanks, Bill. And my daughter would say, do you know them? I said, no, but I know their name and mm. I'm going to use it. I'm glad. So, so that's not weird. So no. I'm, I'm always... I want to do the same thing. Well, maybe it is weird because we're not... The whole, not everyone's doing it. So <laughs> we know like... And what is weird, right? right. But I think it's unique. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep doing it. So. I think I would challenge you to keep doing that for sure. I have a really funny story. So I have a client who, um, <laughs> he was telling me, so we had this class and I was saying, don't say, how are you? And say, you know, what's the best part of your day? Or ask a different question. And he was telling me he was at the airport and he went into like the Hudson's bookstore or whatever. And the lady was checking him out and he's like, oh, thank you. So what's the best part of your day? And she looked at him and she said, when this conversation ends. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, maybe we need to work. You know, I laughed so hard. I'm like, that did not happen. Uh, had and to I happen said, in like New York or New Jersey or yeah, something. You know, yeah, like I don't know. Philadelphia. But, just, <laughs> but it's just funny. I'm like, well, you know, maybe know the audience or but think about, hey, you know, think. Sometimes it's just a thank you, you yeah. know, like holding the door for somebody or thanking somebody or just smiling. You know, the smiles might be the only smile they see all day, all week, or, you know, even all month. Yeah. So it's just seeing people. I challenge people to get off your devices, look up and actually see people. So just curious in terms of the devices, that's a that's a big topic. In the last few years, there's been a couple of great books that have come out. Sherry Turkle mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. wrote one called The End of Conversation, which is a really good book that goes into some of the research around mm-hmm. the effect that it's having and that kind of stuff. Do you do any work, you know, like any any is any part of your training around like detail? Detoxing? Detoxing from technology (laughs) or like, I'm thinking, you know, in our work, I see the effect it has just in a leadership team meeting in a conference room to have some people, you know, check out of the conversation. Whereas 20 years ago, they would suffer through it and the boredom would eventually get them to the point where they would start contributing just because they were tired of, 
you know, not being, you know, yeah. I'm going to make this conversation relevant to me. So I'm going to put my two cents in. And today they really don't have to do that. Like they can mm-hmm. actually start, they can check out and be somewhere completely different, whether it's in their Slack threads or their email threads or answering customer calls, you know, text messages. So any work, any tips for business owners on how to do that? You know, I, I don't do anything specific on that, but when I'm teaching my leadership classes and we talk about really listening, it's part of that conversation. Like, how do you show someone that you're really listening to them? What does that look like? Who's more important in the conversation? The text that you're getting, the Facebook post someone just tagged you in, or is it the person in front of you? And, you know, I, I think it's an overall really bad issue that we have in the world right now, especially how people just, I mean, it's like, you can't put it down. It's that tether, you know, that detox. And we went on a cruise a couple of years ago. My husband was like, it was awesome. Cause I got to just turn the phone off. Mm. And I think it's just, I don't teach anything along that lines, but it just goes back to, you know, what, what do you want from the person you're speaking to? And if you're in a meeting and you want the respect back in the meeting that you're going to host, you know, how do you show up? I, like I always say, yeah. your actions are a direct result of the, the, or a direct result of what you get, you know? And so how do you, how do you show up for those teams and how are you showing up as a person? But no, nothing that I teach, but maybe that's uh, something we work on together. Well, that'd be great. You know? How about we just have a bonfire for all the devices? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, and I actually have telecom clients, so I don't really mean that. I yeah. just love my phone. <laughs> Apple, I love my phone. Um, I am, you know, Google's fantastic. Meta, you're amazing. Um, but no, it's also the power of the connection has been great too, yeah. right? You know, like what you can do through some of these things. But I think when you're in front of somebody, just turning that off, you know, yeah. it's gosh, it's a dark. Well, it's, you know, you make a good point. There's, a, they can be used for incredible connection, but it's kind of like everything else, right? How intentional are you about it? Yeah. Because if I'm trying to connect with my high school friend on Facebook at the same time, I'm pretending to pay attention in the Mm-hmm. in the team meeting. <laughs> I'm not being very intentional about either one, right? But if I'm if I turn the TV off and I open the laptop or the phone and I reach out to that person and I take a second to see what's been happening in their life and then send them a message and say, I was just thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. See this 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 happened. Let me know. Yeah. What next time we can get together. I, that wasn't available 20 years ago. No. Right? And yeah, I would, you would have lost contact with people. I mean, like I, there was one time I was in Publix and I saw my friend's husband. I've never met him before. And I was like, oh my gosh, hey. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I just realized we've actually never met. I just know you right? because she's posting the pictures on there. So there is like some really great things about it, but it just goes back to being a human, you know, yeah. giving somebody the undivided attention. My husband told me many years ago, he was like, multitasking really isn't a thing because when you're multitasking, one task isn't getting a hundred percent and there's going to be mistakes. And I really try to really think about that. And I'm not going to let him listen to this podcast because then he'll know that I listen and that he was right. Um, no, but you know, it's true. Like when I'm, you know, working with a client or when I'm doing a training, I have three different screens. I close everything out because mm. if my email's up, guess what I'm doing? Ping, right. ping, ping. I'm looking at that. I My phone's not anywhere near in front of us right now. You know, either is yours, which is because we're focused on this conversation. Yeah. And that goes with leadership, sales, customer experience. When people just focus on the person in front of them, what they need, how they can help, how can they provide services that will make that person be even better moving forward, then that is where the real magic happens. So I think that's what we can get back to. That's the goal. My mission. That's fantastic. I'm going to accomplish it. That's one. Large group at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us as, as we wrap up, what's kind of next for Jamie Marco at Evolve? What, what's kind of the big movement direction you're going right now? What's latest and greatest for you? 
Yeah. So I have been working on an ebook for a while. Um, yeah, that's one thing. That's that's on my goal list. So awesome. trying to get something where people can actually grasp it and have it and utilize it almost as a like as a guide to help them continue with the programs that we talked about or to help them there. There's going to be some more keynotes coming, which I'm really excited about and doing those opportunities to where people, I'm, and it's not just like most of the training I do is for clients, you know, separately, but not where everyone can come and, and get a taste of what I'm talking about, doing some more keynotes. And then a personal goal for me would be to do a TEDx talk so at some point in the future. Awesome. So those are just some things out there, but really I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing for the most part, because it's where I'm getting the biggest bang of changing mindsets and changing hearts and minds to start to realize that. We can get back to a simpler time, even in our days today, and and just really connect more. That's awesome. Well, yeah. when you or I'll ask you to give me the list of those keynotes. Yeah, I would love to. That's anything that's available to anybody who's sure. listening, and we'll get those on the in the show notes so oh, people can that. catch up. And we'll also connect to Evolve and any other social media sites that we want to let people know about. We'll put those in the show notes as well. I get those notes from you. And Great. Yeah. yeah. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Find me. Connect. Awesome. We'd love to. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. Just not while you're having a conversation with somebody else. Right. right. And not after three o'clock. No, I'm kidding. Uh. <laughs> That's great. Well, Jamie, this is, as expected, It the time has flown by. I don't know what time it is. It's oh my been, goodness. Uh, wow. Yeah, okay. It's been fantastic and it, it could keep going. So uh, we're going to, con- I've got Got some notes here. I'd love to get into some of the other things you talked about um, that, that aren't necessarily part of the three pillars, but sure. there's a lot more in there. So I'm going to ask Carrie to go ahead and put us back on the schedule so we can have you love back. That. So. Can I ask you some questions then? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it like an interview back and forth, Perfect. right? Like, uh, <laughs> it is. It's so funny being on the side of being asked questions when you're just so used to being the one that's like so genuinely curious. And I'm like, oh, as soon as this mic goes off, I'm like, hold on. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, guys. We will see you back next week on the Axiom Podcast. Mm -hmm.